In today's episode, I've got a really special person, uh, a very uh, wonderful and effective and successful practice owner, group practice owner. Uh, her name is Rachel Thomas, and um, she's also a, a previous coaching client of mine, business coaching. And um, this is just was a really fun episode. It was just completely full of valuable stuff, um, game-changing things that Rachel's learned along the way that have um, really made the difference in her in her business being successful. And uh, yeah, so much value in this episode. Um, I uh, I'm just really excited that it turned out this way. So, and I'm so appreciative to Rachel being on the show. So, without further ado, let's dive in. Private practice can feel really hard, but I'm convinced that it doesn't have to be. Um, if you've been thinking for a while about reaching out to work with me, then now is the time to do it. Um, just go to thejohnclark.com and click on work with me to apply. Again, thejohnclark.com and click on work with me to apply. All right, let's get into the episode. Rachel Thomas is on the show with me today. Rachel Thomas is a marriage and family therapist and the owner of one of my favorite business names out there, Therapy with Heart. Also one of my favorite URLs for a practice, therapywithheart.com. Very cool. And has been practicing therapy for over 20 years. She's a certified EFT therapist and supervisor and has a practice specializing in helping people have better relationships. What's not to love about that? Um, therapywithheart.com. Rachel, I haven't seen you in forever. I know. I'm very excited to see you. Have you been busy or have you been lazy? Which it's That's a gotta, big question, right? That's a big question because I strive to not be so busy. Um, so a little bit of both, I would say. <laughs> yeah, we, we, have, we work on both parts, being, right. being busy, but also um, clocking out as much, yes. as, as, much as we can. Exactly. Um, I'm really excited for people to hear about you and also your practice. I think you're unique. I think your practice is unique. And um, there's a lot that therapists can learn from you. Thank you. So no pressure. (laughs) None. Um, How did you get started down this whole private practice journey? What's it been like? Okay. Well, just to back up a little bit, I come from an entire line of entrepreneurs. So it's in my spirit. It's my great, great grandmother was an entrepreneur, um, all the way to my grandparents, to my parents, to my uncle. I mean, really my brother, um, all of us. So I just feel like it's in my blood and I don't even think I know any different. So regardless of what profession, I think this was kind of my course, but Um, I did originally get licensed in California as an MFT. And when I moved to Arizona in 2006, I um, had to jump through some hoops licensure wise, which was very humbling because I had already been practicing and was an AMFT approved supervisor and had a successful practice. So then when I moved to Arizona, it was uh, kind of a hit. And I realized how committed I was to the field of marriage and family therapy. Then I started my practice 
And people were calling me specifically because I was a marriage and family therapist, expecting me to be an expert in marriage and, and relationships. And I went, oh, crap, I need to get some additional training. <laughs> I better become and, that person uh, real quick. <laughs> I think I took a one or two credit course in couples. And so I took um, the four-day externship and emotionally focused couples therapy. It like kind of reached my soul and I became very committed. And all of a sudden I realized that I wanted to marry my commitment to the MFT profession and my commitment to EFT. Mm. And as a result, created a training site. And that's what we have now. So I have 12 therapists and I have interns, which are students here in Arizona. And I have associates, which are therapists who are working towards their license. And then I have independently licensed therapists. And we all work from that EFT approach. And, um, and yeah, so that's kind of my journey in a nutshell. I feel like it'd be really fun to work at your practice. Are you are you hiring? Asking, I, asking for a friend. I hope that I hope that <laughs> it's fun here. Um, I think I would that I think that it's fun. I think that I try to lead from an EFT approach as well, yeah. meaning that I really try. I think it's hard to be the clinical supervisor and the boss, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and even as an EFT, even if you're independently licensed. I am still overseeing their EFT, so I'm watching videos, I'm giving, but I'm also very, um, well, I'm going to humbly say how humble I am, um, that I'm on this journey too. Like, mm -hmm. I don't necessarily come at this like I know it all. I just am maybe further along in the journey or, so yeah. I think it's fun to work here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're no doubt an expert and a true specialist, and you are committed to always learning. Mm -hmm. which I think is the right combination. You know what I mean? Go, go really deep yeah. with something, but yeah. also keep, keep learning. And I feel like those are the people that I hire. Right. Right. That is what I look for in interviews. Like yeah. that's what I'm wanting is someone who has that mindset. You yeah. know, um, going back to the licensure thing, um, it's, it's funny to me because when I went to California as an unlicensed LPC, which out there is the licensed professional clinical counselor and literally didn't exist about a year before I moved there. Right. So I show up and they're like an LP. What? We're all MFTs out here. I'm like, Oh, so do you all do marriage and family work? Is that all you do? Nope. And they go, no, we do everything. <laughs> Very confusing. And I go, Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Cause where I'm from my, I have a couple of friends who are MFTs and guess what? All they do is marriage and family work. <laughs> That's right. why they had that, was... that license. And then I go to California and they're like, what's an LPC? Right. Let's make one up real quick and make sure that you can't get any jobs because people still don't <laughs> trust it. People still, by the time I got, got the pre-license, did the hours, got the license, the whole nine yards, people still didn't know what the hell I was. And didn't take it seriously. It was crazy. And then I was, I kept telling all my California therapist friends, I'm like, it's not as typical if you leave California to be an MFT who does everything or like, Oh, I just do individual. I just do CBT work for anxiety. Yeah. That was such a shock for me. I have to like culture shock for, yeah. in a way. I was so used to everyone was an MFT and we all do everything. It's that it's uh, and it all has to do with who got there first, right? Or at least right. I, I think. Well, the social workers got there first right. nationwide, but in California, for whatever reason, MFTs took hold earlier on, and the LPC re literally just adapted in the past. 
like right. five to 10 years, which is crazy. So, um, right. so anyway, you, so you left and what, what kind of work were you doing when you were in California? Oh, that's a great question. I, um, well, different things. I mean, I would say that that is when I honed in on my grief and loss work. So I was working at um, a hospice and I was overseeing the bereavement department with um, all the students that would come in, all the interns. And so I would do all of the clinical supervision and um, kind of help oversee the bereavement department. So I did a lot of grief and loss work and supervision around grief and loss. It's also when I personally struggled with infertility and um, was trying myself to seek support and found myself having to educate therapists about infertility and what IVF versus IUI was. And so those two things, uh, supervision, grief and loss and infertility kind of became my focus when I was in California. Mm-hmm. So, and they're still, they're still close to my heart. Um, I still have, I have one of my therapists here is a bereavement specialist and that's all okay. she does, uh, because I very much believe in that. And when I say I specialize in relationships, I believe that includes relationships, you know, dating and trying to find a relationship to marital enrichment, to divorce and dissolution, to death and loss of a loved one. So mm-hmm. to me, it's all of it. So, so when, when you arrived to Arizona, um, or when you decided to open a practice, what's the first thing you did? So I, um, I feel like what took my business into like into momentum to kind of take off was all about branding and logo design. Like that was to me, like I could start. You're literally just trying to make me happy right now. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm just trying to speak your language. I'm going to tell the (laughs) listeners right now. I did not pay Rachel to say this. No, I really believe it. She believed this long years before I met her. And then I met her (laughs) and we did some work together and I'm like, you're already crushing it with your branding. Well, I just realized that branding and logo design, like branding, consistent branding across everything, my website, my marketing, everything, I feel like um, took my center to another level. And honestly, this is where I feel like sometimes it's like bigger than me. I don't even know how I knew that, right? Um, But somehow that was very clear. So that's number one. And number two is I'm, I'm very still to this day. I know what I don't know and I hire people to help me. So, um, because I'm not probably ever going to be the best when it comes to, um, managing all the numbers. So I have so many, I have a financial advisor, a CPA, a bookkeeper, uh, you know, I mean, I just have so much support around that because I know it's just not my strong suit. So that's just one example. So even, even those two pieces right now could be enough for most therapists to take and tr- and just focus on those two things like for the next five years having okay, a really having a really strong <laughs> brand and outsourcing the things you're not good at or that drain you i try i mean that's you know because because yeah. those things do take some therapists years and years to um to, to realize or just to click or to finally get you know become a believer in those things Right. And there's also therapists that are pouring an incredible amount of time, energy, money, and whatever into their marketing, but they have a really crappy brand or the visual right. identity of the brand is completely lacking, completely DIY, and it simply shows. And I have to say, like, find a brand that resonates with your heart. Like, it's got to fit with you and who you are and how you want your business to be, not just what you think 
the marketing world needs um, because it's your stamp. Like it's, I don't know. I Say just more believe about it. Because I remember when my branding uh, person showed me these big, um, she had these, I don't know, big poster papers with all these logos. And she said to me like, you, you will not hurt my feelings. Like you have to find something that resonates with you. And when she said that, it was like, yeah, that does not, that does not, this does, I think we're close here, you know, and it was like back and forth and back and forth until I was like, no, this is it. Like we got it, you know? I love it. Yeah. It's such an important process and a good designer will walk you through what is basically a discovery process of who are you? How are you different? Right. Um, how are right. we gonna How are we gonna take you and all the best and unique parts of you and put it into a visual brand? Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. The other way to do a logo is just for you to go, uh, or, or for a therapist to go. Oh, I want two trees and a circle, and I want it to say Lotus Counseling. Right. And a designer goes, okay. Right. <laughs> you right. know, and they throw those things together, and you go, okay, there's my logo. Right. And, and it means nothing. Exactly. And then it doesn't excite you. It doesn't translate it just doesn't translate it doesn't communicate anything it's Mm-mm. just it's just crap it's right. just <laughs> it's just shapes and circles and colors and right. and whatever and you take it and you go you ask a therapist or any business owner for that matter and you go what does this mean and they go i don't know right. i like trees okay <laughs> <laughs> right on okay great let's go with that <laughs> are you a tree company <laughs> so how did you find a, de- a graphic designer um and know that like you wanted to move forward working with that person? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. How, how have I found my people? Um, not just my marketing and branding person. I mean, she happened to be, I met with quite a few, but what you just said about her design process resonated with me because I was in the beginning stages of developing my business. And those questions she asked me inspired me to create my kind of business vision, which I had in my head, but I hadn't articulated. And so I totally jived with that and ran with it. So that's how I picked her. But in general, who, how did I pick, you know, my coaches, my, um, I mean, all the people, I feel like, some of it is my just my intuition and then writing it if I wronged it. <laughs> um, some of it is um, referral source, um, taking my time and not making impulsive decisions because um, I will do that. I like I typically will meet with someone and I like them. Um, I think that is part of what makes me a good therapist. But that is not always the best decision you know, as a business owner. So slowing myself down and just because I like someone doesn't mean I need to go into business with them, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know if that answers it, but again, a good designer will, it's kind of like, you don't know what you don't know. And when it comes to developing the visual identity of a brand, you don't know what questions to ask. So uh, right. for most people, most business owners, you go to a designer. And again, if, if, if the designer doesn't have a clear process and take control of the process and walk you through it, then you're just going to say random words. Right. <laughs> you know, and hope that they create something kind of cool for you. Um, and that's, that's really underselling the process. Yeah. 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 And I'm still in relationship with her over a decade later because um, we continue to work on the consistency across all 
areas, including my office to my website, right, to everything, to my collateral that I hand out. So we are always updating and changing. And so I think once you have that relationship with someone, I mean, I think there's something to that, too. She's as invested at this point, I think, in her logo, you know, her branding. Yeah. She's committed to me doing it across the whole business. Yeah, because ultimately it doesn't just stop there. It doesn't stop with the logo. For most therapists, it does, right? Right. So um, say more about why you think that's important to, to not just stop with the logo. Yeah. I mean, she's educated me to be honest, um, that it's one thing for them to think my website's pretty or something. It's another thing for them to come into the office and see collateral material that matches the website and then to come into an office and the logo is on the wall in a subtle way or, um, the therapy with heart, the way it's, um, written or said, you know, is consistent across my practice. So the same colors that are on my website are on my exit sign that says, you know, breathe, live and love, or I can't remember right now what it's, I think breathe, heal and love. Um, but she's really worked on all when I was doing construction, our signs that said, you know, thank you for your understanding while we're a mess. Even that was done in a way that was consistent with the coloring and the logo. And so I know it might sound maybe tedious or unnecessary, but to me, I think it shows a level of professionalism. Um, I think people start to feel safe. They start to feel secure. Like they are at a place that is established. I don't know if I can articulate it, but it feels important. You're literally making me so happy right now. (laughs) Well, I'm so glad. (laughs) Maybe my face doesn't show it. Because my face kind of looks the same a lot of times. <laughs> you look a bit frozen. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just, I'm really just eating it up, to be honest. Well, it's worked. And so something about it has, it, it works. It's the, and I can you, tell. your brand is the entire experience. Right. Uh, uh, of your business. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Yeah. But all these little pieces are such perfect examples. And the example of like, the sign that says, Hey, we're under construction. Sorry, we're a mess right now. And then has the little therapy with heart logo on it. Like that's killer. That's so, that's such a nice touch. Um, and it's, it's just, it really is everything. Your brand really is everything. Yeah. 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 It's, um, and, and I think again, therapists, tend to think that the branding process if they if they even go through it at all at all is just a logo or just a website and that's it oh it's so much more than that yeah 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 it's it's the entire experience that a, that a consumer has when they're in touch with your business at all the way you answer the phone the way your assistant answers the phone right. the, it's just um it's just absolutely everything and either we do it intentionally or it's just kind of random and it's kind mm-hmm. of like it's kind of like when you meet a person who's kind of random <laughs> or a person who like i don't know you can feel like, it yeah they're like really intense but also i don't know like kind of lazy or <laughs> i don't i'm trying to think of an example you know but like a person it's almost like if i'm this really intense like bodybuilder and i'm super ripped and wearing like bodybuilding clothes but i also i don't know what's the opposite of a bodybuilder <laughs> oh no i don't I can't track this one with you. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but, They're falling hysterically over a yeah. trick flick. <laughs> it's just uh, like someone with a really confused identity. Yes. You know. Actually, I, here's an example. There's a guy that I grew up with who um, 
it's kind of like when you're a teenager and you don't know who the hell you are because you're a teenager and that's part of like what we watch teenagers go through and what we go through. And one day you're really into goth music and you're like, mom, I'm a goth. And you're as a mom, you're probably like, okay, sweetie. And then you go, your kid wants to go to Hot Topic and wear all black and paint their fingernails black or whatever and get really into emo music. And you're like, okay, today you're goth. And then literally the next week they're like, I'm preppy now, mom. I think I'm going to be preppy, you know, let's go to yeah, Abercrombie. And you're like, Where are you? Who are you? What yeah. are you doing? Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, it leaves you feeling a little unsettled. Yeah, like, it's like, what? what is this? <laughs> this is why teenagers would not make good brands because they're all over the place. <laughs> I, right. I certainly was when I was younger. Right. So, um, okay, so you got the brand in place and, and what did you do next? Or, or what, what are the, um, you know, kind of the, the important things that you did next to, to meaningfully advance your business as best you remember? Um. Sometimes I feel that I jumped and then figured it out as I was going. And so I got, I um, moved into a space with a lot of offices to fill before. And I'm not necessarily saying that everyone should do this, but I knew I wanted to scale up. And so I made the space to make that happen and then made sure I hired people to support that. And so, um, that's one of those times where I, I did, it wasn't completely like spontaneous. I mean, mm -hmm. it definitely was planned out, but I knew I wanted to scale up and the way to do that is to have the space to do it. And so, um, I created the space and then I filled it. Mm -hmm. So that was part of it. Not my favorite way of doing things, I know. but you pulled it off. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I the don't only, highly the recommend only reason, it. Yeah. It's just cause it, it puts a squeeze on you to hire fill yeah. those clinicians scale 100%. really quickly and you did it you pulled it off and you had great foundations well, I was a strong lucky. Brand, honestly but, yeah. i was very lucky i had a space where i could add an office add an office add an office so oh, i, I it, was, it was more of a kind of step, incremental stepping yeah it was okay. more as i got bigger i got to add more and then yeah so it yeah. wasn't completely like now i have 10 offices and crap i have two therapists yeah so it wasn't quite as as big as i'm making it sound but um yeah and and I think, um, and I'm not just trying to give you a plug, but I think having coaches and being in a support with a mastermind group um, with other group practice owners has been priceless for me um, because I'm very clear that I want to be a solopreneur and I'm not looking to partner, but I so value the collaboration and the partnership that comes in, in that relationship. I, I just... I don't think I would have grown without, I know I would not have grown without it. I didn't even know some of my blind spots um, that I was operating under. So yeah, yeah that was huge. I'm not, I'm talking like That's I'm like awesome. done. I, I don't feel that. <laughs> like this is your on, your on course. Yes. You're like no. your uh, acceptance speech for the award. <laughs> right. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to thank my brand, <laughs> my designer. No, it is. I, I mean, listen, my, my coaches and mentors have been instrumental and someone once told me it was like, you know, a good business coach is like having a business partner that you don't have to give up any equity to. Right. <laughs> and ultimately exactly. it's still your baby. It's still your, um, exactly. But they're invested in it in yeah. a way to help support. I mean, it's really fantastic. And I can talk to my husband all yeah. day long, but he's going to be like, you're doing great. Good job. Yeah. Like he might give me some pointers here and there, but uh, 
I mean, first of all, we're juggling 700 things at home with the kiddos. And so I'm not sure I, yeah. I want to talk about all of this, but having a coach where this is undivided a time where I get to talk through and get support, it's just priceless. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of therapists, in my opinion, that are scared to spend that money. And I cannot tell you how, I mean, and again, I'm not just like trying to like give you strokes over here, but well, within the first I mean, month of my, my working my with you, okay, all right. Within my like first <laughs> month of working with you, you helped me see how hiring full-time phone support would absolutely change my practice. And that was so scary to me of like paying somebody for full-time when my phone wasn't ringing off the hook from eight to five, I was like, I couldn't quite grasp it. But once I did it, holy, holy shit, like my phone, like, I can't tell you the conversion rate increase when I have mm-hmm. somebody answering the phone versus yep. us just returning the calls as soon as we could. Anyway, yep. so the the amount of money to pay for a coach versus the return is like, come on, you guys. Yeah. So yeah, yeah a, lot, a lot of therapists struggle to, to take that leave because yep. they fear, um, I'm not going to kind of see that money back. And they also don't see the dividends that it pays not only right away for, for, uh, in most cases like yours, but, um, the, the results are, the dividends are compounding. Like it's also about developing new habits, developing a new mindset. You know, like you said, seeing your blind spots and taking those to the bank, you know, it's the same way when we work with our clients, it's like we help them get relief now. And also we help them help themselves down the road. Um, And that's a big part of it too. Well, yeah, and it's um, because I remember when we first started, your um, your phone person, you were just kind of piecemealing it together. Or they were available sometimes, but they were like mm-hmm. a student, so they were missing some calls. And I thought, well, for this makes no sense for a practice like yours and a practice of your size, um, you are literally losing money, right? Because people right. are calling and they're going down the line. They're calling five therapists and they're probably calling you first because they want to work with you, but you you know you, the phone's not getting picked up, and right. so it's like on one hand therapists will go I can't afford to pay for someone to answer the phone and I'm and I'm going you're you're already paying for it you right. can't afford to not hire someone to, pay, to to answer the phone because uh, you're losing leads left and left and right right yeah right right agreed at, at what point in in private practice did you feel like you kind of got it or th- did you feel like maybe you, that you had some, some kind of fundamental things under your belt that maybe other, you see other therapists maybe not having or still struggling to get as a group practice owner. Yeah. Um, I don't have a day that that happened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I do think that when I started to realize that I needed to, so when I realized that um, my productivity around seeing clients needed to pull back so that I could run my business, um, there was a, a very big kind of shift in mentality of like, I have a business. <laughs> um, like I have, to, yeah. I'm like, this center needs me and I want to train and mentor my therapist to be the very best couples their relationship experts that they can be. And I need to be available for that. And, um, I need to, yeah, I just realized that I needed to really embrace the CEO mentality or this like business owner mentality versus running so fast. I mean, when I think yeah. about how uh, I literally would have no space in my week from, 
you know, hour to hour to minute to right. And so, um, when I started, when I started really reevaluating that, I think that's when I realized, like, I have a, I have something here. We st- we struggle with that as as if you're a group practice center because therapy is what we know. Mm-hmm. So we think, well, if I've got hours in the week, I should be filling them with with clients, and somehow run this business at the same time. And financially, mm-hmm. like for me as the I'm the provider in my family. Um, my husband's a wonderful teacher, but teachers don't get paid very much uh, mm-hmm. here. So, um, so there was something about if I see clients, I make all the money. Like I get all of that. And that was I your just, belief. That was and my, if, that, right. mm-hmm. and if I'm sitting in my office, not seeing clients, I'm not making money. I'm losing money. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause that was true at some point Correct. for all of us when you're a solo practitioner. Right. But that wasn't true for you anymore. No, but and, I still bought it. Mm-hmm. And in fact, your business was suffering for it. So right. it's, Sometimes we have to sit, step back and go, and even just pull pull some numbers into it and go, what would it take for me to replace my income, right? So if I'm making $100 seeing a client, what do I need to do? Um, what kind of volume do I need to see with my clinicians in order to replace that? Right. Um, and sometimes just, just starting with that math, it starts to open up possibilities for us. And we go, oh, wow, it's actually not too far off. And if we just plugged a little bit more here, did a bit more marketing or hired one more clinician, I've replaced my income. And now seeing clients becomes, um, it can become optional. It can at least become um, less of your job description. Yeah. And I have to tell you, like, I'm not bragging, but my therapy is so much better. My therapy is so much better. My supervision is so much better. I am calmer. You know, my assistant um, said, are you okay? You seem quiet. And I said, oh no, this is me actually not all stressed out. Yeah. This is actually me in drinking a little less coffee too. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I'm like, I I realize like they don't know me as like calm, Rachel. Yeah. We almost so, don't trust the calm. It's like if it's like if thing, things are quiet, too quiet. You know, there's like <laughs> waiting for the other shoe to drop all the time. Right. Yeah. Right. But but our business is by our own design, and we either design it to be full of what we we convince ourselves are emergencies, daily emergencies, or we create and design a business that actually makes us happy and and works well and is highly profitable. And where you can employ people who are happy to work with you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And when I'm home, I can be home more often. There's still definitely some times for that I'm working at home, but I'm definitely more present and home because I'm getting my work done at work. Yeah. Say a little bit more about that because I think that's a, that's a big pain point for a lot of therapists. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is a big one for me as well. I think, yeah, it's hard to turn off when you're an entrepreneur, right? Because there's always something. And um, when I was back to back with clients and supervision in that way, then of course, there was a lot of work I had to do. So as soon as I I would only be in my office seeing clients or doing supervision. And then as soon as I was done, I would go home. But as soon as the kids were down, or as soon as I had a minute, I'm back or even while, you know, while I'm with them, I'm on my phone or I'm doing work because there's all that other stuff that still needed to get done. And so, um, I don't even think I quite realized it until I started pulling back a little bit. And then I started doing those 
things at work in my day so that when I shut down and go home, I'm actually never caught up, but I'm at a place where I can say enough for today and kind of shift into being home. So it's, yeah, it's so different. Oh, that feels so good to even just say. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's still kind of new because it's not, yeah. I wouldn't say I've been this, this is not something that's solidified. So it still feels kind of new and, and I'm just grateful. So, well, we, we, you know, I think there's part of it is in our culture and even the culture of business owners, which is I should be working around the clock to no mm-hmm. end um, or else I'm not doing enough or I'm not productive enough. Um, or uh, if I'm not in the office as much, or more than my team members that I'm not doing right. enough. Whereas I hear that and go, well, then what the hell is this all for? Right. <laughs> if you can't own your time and take a long lunch or not work on Fridays because you built this thing, then I, I don't know. It's just that, that, that has always seemed so backwards to me. And then you go, well, what if, my, what if my employees get jealous or they get mad or whatever? Then they can go start their own practice. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And I actually find that I'm more responsive to them now. So if mm-hmm. anything, I may not be here in the office, but I'm more responsive to them if they reach out. Whereas before I, I had no space until nine o'clock at night and that's when I, they would get me. Right. Yeah, because so, you were with clients all day. Right, yeah. exactly. So now I'm more responsive. I mean, they may still see me not in the office as much, or but I agree at the end of the day, I think I'm a better business owner. And if they don't like it, then that's a different conversation. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, yeah. and you know, for those that do feel guilty for not being in the office every hour of the day or whatever, you know, just making sure we have opportunities to have conversations with team members so that, so that you don't feel guilty so that you do, you can know that they, that they feel supported. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 What, what do you feel like, um, is, is missing from our conversation so far in terms of things that have really been ga- a game changer for you and what else do you want therapists to know? Um, I think that one of the things that I bring to my center is that we have this overarching, um, niche or kind of focus, right? And that's really important to me and everyone needs to buy in. That's going to work here. But at the end of the day, I'm not trying to make a whole bunch of mini me's. Um, I really embrace the person their own style of therapy, their own self as a therapist, and what they want to focus on within my practice. And I think my experience has been with some of my colleagues is that they try to put some of their employees in boxes. Um, and, and I think it's important to really support the therapist to be who they are within my practice. So, um, so I think that that's an important nugget that I would add to. That is just pure gold. Well, thank you. Totally I'm not. Serious. I'm not making it up because I really I do. I believe it. Well, and it's and and for those listening, this stuff hasn't come overnight. Right. You know, I think sometimes we see therapists and we go, "Oh, they have this great practice, or this and that." Or I, I guarantee some people are sitting going, "Well, Rachel knows so much about branding, and I don't know anything about branding." Because we get caught in that that comparison crap, or right. we get caught up in like, "I'm never going to get this all right," and so so we we beat ourselves up. So part of it is just like taking lessons along the way going, okay, I learned that that was hard or that was uncomfortable or I screwed up here. Um, but 
I'm going to, I'm just going to take it, take it to the bank and I'm going to keep moving forward. And I think that's, that's ultimately what separates people who, um, make it quote unquote to those who don't, or those who, who last and, and as a business owner versus those who go, this isn't for me, which is totally fine as well. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Man. Well, you've, you've just nailed it. You've crushed it. I'm like almost, I'm, I'm hesitant to go further because there's so many like just, uh, so much valuable stuff in here already in terms of what's worked for you and uh, a lot of lessons that um, are just huge, just huge, huge lessons. This has been so helpful. Thank you. And I, yeah, obviously you and I vibe because that's why we work together. Yeah. Um, but I very much respect you and, and I'm honored to be on. Um, your show. And I in no way feel like I've like arrived. And so when you were just talking, like I'm giggling inside, like, like (laughs) people are thinking that, but (laughs) I can't say enough. Like, I mean, one of the hazards I find with therapists is that we overthink, we Mm overanalyze and we tend to be pretty self-critical. Um, but those same traits can help you have growth, move forward, do things differently. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Just how you look at it. It is. Yeah. Well, thank you for that, and it's, it's fun to reconnect with you. I've been wondering you how too. you're doing. I, I you assumed too. you were crushing it. Well, thank right. you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me on. It means a lot to me. You're very welcome. Tell people um, one more time how they can um, check out your center and um, and even maybe reach out if they wanted. Absolutely. We have um, couples workshops all the time. They um, are offered pretty much every six weeks, every two months. Um, and they're excellent like adjuncts to any couples work or individual work you might be doing. We also have singles workshops for people who are in the actively dating world. Um, and I have a specifically a couples workshop for therapists and their partners that I want to just give a little shout out to in February of 2019. Um, and you can get everything uh, about the practice on therapywithheart.com. Um Two H's W yeah <laughs> therapywithheart.com. Yeah. Um, or you can also call 480-888-5380. So or you can also just reach out to me directly, Rachel at therapywithheart.com. Absolutely. Perfect. Rachel, yeah. thanks for being here. You're awesome. I appreciate it. And um keep keep in touch with me. Let me know how you're doing. Thank you, John. Bye. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Like I mentioned toward the beginning, private practice can be tough, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, If you're interested in working with me, head to thejohnclark.com and click on work with me to apply. Again, thejohnclark.com and click on work with me to apply. Hope you have a great week. See you soon.